this was not a hard week to find scripture or um, songs that went with the scripture, with the text. And uh, it was obvious that you knew these songs pretty well by the way that you sang from the heart. And at the close of the message, we'll sing a song uh, that some of you may not know as well, but the words are excellent as we are instructed about who Christ is and then in our closing song, gaze on the Christ. And I hope that you will sing with all your heart on that as well. Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we get started here this morning. Lord, our needs are great and our God is greater. We gather in the name of Jesus Christ and we rejoice that you have highly exalted our Lord and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In this we rejoice this morning. Our Lord has no equal, <clears throat> no weakness, no rival. We are called to share witness to the glory and might of our Lord. And we are here to learn today. In Jesus' name, the church gathers. In Jesus' name, we sing praises. We, we give out of what you have given. And we worship, as Paul said, by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus. We ask this morning that you would receive our worship and our praise. We heard sung a few minutes ago, humbly, at your feet I find grace to yield my will and mind. Wash me clean, make me pure, rule and reign in every part. Lord, that was sung, but it is the prayer I hope of all of us. Increase our understanding of the scriptures. Receive our worship and praise. With the psalmist, we say, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. So it is our prayer that you would grow us in Christ today. Use your servants here and on the farthest field. Make your message through Pastor Stephen Howard to be heard and find good ground at Morrow Bible Church. Give strength to Pastor Bob Conduct, who's recovering from surgery. Bless the work of the sea rights in Thailand today, we pray. To any who are discouraged, the discouraged soul among us, we ask that they would seek your balm, your comfort, your counsel, hear their humble cry for help. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Now, now we ask that you would attach it to our will, our mind and heart, and may it be a weapon in our hands, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8, please. And as you do, I want to set a scene before you as I do sometimes. Imagine that you're working around the house and you raise up maybe and hit a cabinet or something and you're, you're knocked unconscious for a moment. Not real long, not a hospitalization, enough to knock your memory loose. You know, you look at your wife and say, I don't remember you, but I remember your biscuits. I remember... Your, your, 
I, I remember the cooking that you do. Okay. I remember what you, I, I, who are you again? You may not even remember your own name. What if you didn't know, even if it just lasted for a day? That'd be a little terrifying, wouldn't it? How long will this take? Who are you? What are you doing in my home? We are living in a time where a lot of people have identity crisis and don't know who they are or why they're here, what they're supposed to be doing. Let a corrupt culture feed you misinformation and over a period of time, you'll have an entire generation or two who believe lies and do terrible things because it's really in us anyway. Remember, it's in what defiles is in the heart. And so then questions about purpose and sexuality and values and ethics, all these things really start to hit the fan. And the person who doesn't know who God is doesn't know why they're here and wastes a life. Hopefully, you know not only that God made you, remember the, the saying, who made you? God made me in all things. Okay? That God made you, but that you would be able to say with me, you know, furthermore, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. and He has made me new through the blood of Christ. So, Sometimes the question, it's good to ask ourselves, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? But the question of the day here in our text is, who is Jesus? This question has eternal consequences. Get mixed up or confused for who you are, that's one thing. But adopt a view outside of the word of God about who Jesus is. It has eternal consequences. And the, the subjective way, well, Jesus is to me. What I think about Jesus, can we just dismiss that as absolutely worthless? It comes down to what did the Lord reveal about himself? A faith that is grounded in the revelation of Jesus Christ, that has merit, that is precious. Well, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is again on the move. We talked a little bit about Bethsaida. Uh, now he's going to be in Caesarea Philippi. He's, if you, you march 25 miles north on the slopes of Mount Hermon, uh, is, a, is a beautiful city. Hopefully, if you visit uh, Israel, they take you to Caesarea Philippi to be distinguished from some of the other uh, Caesareas there or the, or the other Philippi's. We know that about that city. Uh, you turn and there's a, a mountain and a large rock that might have been the backdrop of Jesus even teaching when he says, upon this rock. Uh, it's... It's in some uh, pagan hostile territory. Herod had erected a monument, a temple, in honor of Caesar. And here the, the cult 
of Pan and the cult of Caesar, people came to, to worship and adore. It was a hotbed of demonic activity. And in that big rock that I mentioned, there is a, a cave that at one time was the tributary, was the, 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 the head of uh, the, the river, the Jordan River. After several earthquakes, I'm told that it kind of shifted that. It was another place. But people had made of that mouth, had walked in there as a large cave, and they would carve into the walls of it and put their idols. It was a pagan city. And Jesus makes it a platform to teach about himself. Every location that Jesus goes to is intentional. Every word out of his mouth is beneficial. Mark's gospel, remember in Mark chapter 1 verse 1, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark has been proving in these first seven chapters who Jesus is, and then he kind of adjusts a little bit in chapter 8 to talk about why he came and what his final mission is, his true purpose in coming. So we, uh, we've already looked uh, at, at the first part of this message. I if I start reviewing on that, I'll never get to part two. And so I'm going to jump right in at a two-part question. And, and when Jesus asks this question, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is not asking a question to remove some measure of ignorance in himself. Listen, when I ask a question... It's probably in the lobby or at lunch, or it's probably not to, to lead you to a higher understanding. It's because I don't know. And that's why I come to you, because you know. But Jesus is not ignorant of who he is. He didn't hit his head, and he's wondering why he's on this earth. But he does come, he does ask this question, and other leading questions, in order to demonstrate what they need. He already knows what they believe. The disciples had left much and followed him. At least Judas and maybe some others were starting to wonder by now, what's in it for me? When are we going to be rewarded for walking away from our, our tax booths and our boats and our livelihood and our family. What's in it for me? His family had uh, concluded that Jesus had a Messiah complex. And in Mark chapter 3 and verse 21, they said, He is out of his mind. Uh, in the very next verse, the, the scribes went a little farther. They said, He is possessed by Beelzebul. A few chapters later, chapter 6, verse 3, some of the people from his hometown said, Is not this the carpenter, the, the son of Mary, the brother of James? They, they kept making the family connections. And it says, And they took offense at him. Listen, there was confusion. As Pastor Smith said, if you went into this marketplace or into this place and you listened you would have heard the buzz that Jesus just came through or Jesus is coming. Who is he? What do we owe him? 
How should we respond to him? What should we make of him? So, point A, the God the Son asked a leading question. Prosecutors aren't supposed to lead the witness. But Jesus would ask a question when he's trying to move them to an answer that he has already determined. If you asked your unsaved neighbor right now, who is Jesus? How might they answer? Or a family member. A lot of people would ask, answer the question that he, he's a nice guy. He, he meant well. He was a martyr. And don't see how close is not good enough. It, you miss the mark on Christ. You miss everything. The crowds. Who did the crowds think Jesus was? And three, at least three, answers are given. And, and, and listen, some names are very popular prophets, Old Testament and New, or actually John the Baptist is, is kind of the, the last of the old. Some different names were thrown out that the disciples said, well, you asked who the crowds are saying, uh, John the Baptist. Well, let's talk about John the Baptist for a moment because these were majority opinions, if you would. John's ministry, John's ministry were larger than life. He was popular. Remember, great crowds, even of the Pharisees, went out into the wilderness to see and hear this guy. And some had, a lot had not, but they heard about him. In Mark chapter 6, verses 14, we read of John, John's strong testimony leads to Herod's beheading him. Uh, and it tells us more about Herod's weak ethics than anything about John. John stood True to the end, as should we, yes? But one rumor going around must have been, oh, this, is, this Jesus guy is nobody more than John resurrected. Did they believe in the resurrection? With the Roman influence, a lot believed in reincarnation at that time. Jesus, though, didn't have the same diet as John. He didn't have the same dress as John. He didn't have the same message as John. John was repent for the kingdom is a hand and the Messiah is coming. And he really didn't have the same function. John's purpose and function was to prepare you, prepare your heart, make ready, receive, repent. Jesus comes in saying, I am the Messiah. What about the uh, Option number two is Elijah. And others say Elijah. Malachi chapter four says, uh, tells clearly, I will send Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. So those who really knew their scriptures and believed God were expecting a return of Elijah. If you were spiritual, you expected the scriptures to be fulfilled. You expected Elijah to be coming. And when they heard Jesus, they said, this is Elijah, as God promised. What, what are the similarities? Have you ever thought of that? What, we talked about the dissimilarities with John. What were the similarities with Elijah? Well, they both demonstrated miracles. They both 
called out sin. They both were mocked. They both were considered to be troublers in Israel. They both were threatened by leaders. Elijah was threatened by Jezebel, among others. Jesus was clearly threatened by the Pharisees. They both were seen taken up into heaven, although that doesn't come later, so people didn't make that comparison yet. But Elijah was taken up in 2 Kings chapter 11, or chapter 2, verse 11, by a, a fiery chariot. The Lord is taken up into to glory. Elijah, during something called the Havdalah service at the close of Shabbat, Jews sing a, a song, and then they pray many times that Elijah would come speedily in our time. And I'm told that even in modern Passover Seder services, that sometimes people will, will have a, a formal inviting Elijah into their home. They might even set a place for him. They might pour a cup of wine for him. They're ready for Elijah. Some of it's just ceremonial. Some of it is just without faith at all. It's just something that you do. What was the third option? One of the, one of the prophets, one of the major prophets, one of the gospel writers even supplies, I think Matthew says, uh, that they said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. The people had been blessed with prophets, sent by God with a message, sometimes to warn. I'm just in my Bible reading, finishing up Jeremiah. If they said just this Jesus is Jeremiah, they probably were saying he's just a prophet of doom and gloom. He's just warning us of, 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 of problems to come, and he did that. But sometimes prophets also were, and in Jeremiah, there are passages where the Lord says, comfort your hearts. Let me tell you, unlike Egypt, unlike Babylon, you, Judah, will be brought back in. You will be blessed. You will be prospered. They couldn't decide in Matthew 16, 14, if Jesus was Jeremiah or one of the major prophets or a minor prophet. But one of the prophets, a called out one, somebody who was singled out, he's different than us. Isn't that enough? Hmm. So let's look secondly what the answer revealed about them. Sometimes a teacher, I don't know, a Miss Meyer or somebody might ask a question because the answer to that can lead to, do I need to review that lesson or are they really getting it? Jesus asked a question to, to bring them to more understanding, to focus their their understanding of him. So what did they miss? Well, here's, some of the, here's what's missing from some of those popular guesses that we just talked about, okay? First of all, A, they respected Jesus as a prophet of old. They respected Jesus as a prophet of old. What an honor, really, if you stop and think about it, for anybody to have their name mentioned in this hall of honor. This... Uh, uh, Nobody has ever said Paul Hamilton kind of reminds me of Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas? No, not even that. I mean, Isaiah what? Not the prophet Isaiah. They respected him beyond what the 
the Pharisees. The Pharisees had their phylactery boxes and their, their long faces, and people saw right through that. You feared them. John chapter 9, when the, the, man, the blind man is healed and the, the Pharisees, who, who was this that healed you? Renounce him, leaned on, put leverage on the family and on the, 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 the healed man. That was typical, not exceptional. And so when they said he's one of the, like one of the prophets, they were saying, not like the Pharisees, we know what they are. By the way, as a prophet of old, who believes that Jesus is a prophet and nothing more? Islam. Islam will, I went to some Muslim websites yesterday. You feel like you need to read 20 chapters of the word of God at least to scrub you clean of that afterwards. But they would say, oh, he's Messiah. He was a respected prophet. Uh, so you understand that he died. And, oh, no, no, he didn't die. Somebody else died. That was confusing. It's always amazing to me. They weren't there. 600 years later, they can write and are an expert on the fact that Jesus didn't die. If he didn't die for our sins, we are left in our sins. If he didn't rise for our justification, we are of all men most pitiable, right? Islam has traditionally denied the doctrines of of the incarnation, the deity of Christ, the Trinity. And you and I can, can't say, but it's just a minor thing. It is at the heart of the gospel. And so they're not, is it a religion? Yes. Are they religious? Absolutely. Are they lost? Absolutely. Secondly, Here's another thing that their answers revealed when they said, John, Elijah, one of the, the prophets. It was that they thought they had a message. They thought Jesus had a message. The point is, he was the message. Is there a difference? Absolutely. Jesus didn't come as a prophet to deliver something and then fade off the scene. He came for people to believe in him. Jesus was not one in a million. Jesus was not one in a generation. He was one of a kind. He was the son of God. He's the only son of God. He's the only savior we will ever have or that we ever need. But they refused to believe in him as Messiah or as savior. They, they watched what he did. They heard what he said. They saw the evidence and turned and looked for another. Here's the third thing that is revealed about their confusion. They were mired in error and couldn't get themselves out. That's just like today. You say, I've been witnessing to the same relative or friend or neighbor for decades now, and they will believe anything but the truth. They will fall for a a lie. They will chase after demon, doctrines of demons. They will go for the newest fad and philosophy. But you know what? They will not on their own turn and trust in Christ because Satan holds them in darkness, doesn't he? People that you know can't seem to put two and two together and make connection. You say, but 
Who but Jesus? Well, he must, he can't be God. He was good. He did wonderful things. He received worship, but he can't be God. They can't make that connection, but by the Spirit of God. And Jesus had just demonstrated in chapter 8, verses 17 through 19, how that even the disciples struggled to see and make the connections. He was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. We only have one loaf. You missed it. And this, that's why chapter 8 in our text here is such a critical text. Verse 27. Jesus went on with the disciples to the villages of, villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They told him John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others one of the prophets. And here the focus gets narrower. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. So we come to that second point. God the Father supplied the accurate answer. This is not an enlightened Peter. Peter had a lot of ideas. You've had a lot of good ideas. Not all of them good or practical or wise. Peter was quick to pull out the sword, quick to say what was on his mind, quick to rebuke the Lord. These men that Jesus had called out and was teaching, they needed to have no confusion as to who he was. And the fog, I'm going to be honest with you, seems to not clear up until around Pentecost. Even, even after he's been resurrected, they're still wondering, how can this be? He's gone. What? What this confession claimed for Christ in our text. And I'm going to, I'm going to revert to, refer to, rather to Matthew as well. But first of all, he's called the Christ. Believing that Christ is, Jesus was the Christ, that's not his last name, the anointed one, is central to their knowing him as Savior slash God. He's not just like them. He's not honored among the prophets. He is God the Son. He's Lord of all. We sang this morning about that. Some men had been a prophet. Some were prophet and a priest. Jesus is prophet, priest, king of God. And I wish I could say that once Peter said this, the, the fog was lifted and they never struggled with this again. But if you and I have any reservation. Well, I know that there are some very nice songs that sing about that. And there's a couple of texts that seem to support that. But I'm not sure that Jesus is really God. I'm telling you, without that, we have nothing. We have a liar. We don't have one who was just confused or had a Messiah complex. We have one who was a deceiver. Jesus by his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, left no doubt this was the Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. There's a little bit longer 
take Matthew adds that Peter also says the son of the living God. A son of man is how you referred to uh, somebody who was human. Son of God is how you referred to somebody who was equal with God. They, here's Peter saying, you are the God. You are incarnate. You are come in the flesh. You are worthy of our worship. You are the one that we've been told to look forward to. Peter Maybe it didn't all fit together in his theology, but when you and I say the son of the living God, we are saying Jesus is very God of very God. Notice also what this revelation tells us about God. Peter makes the great confession, right? Jesus tells us Where that confession came from, let's look back at Matthew 16 and read the account. Verse 17, Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Not just the faith of Peter or the statement of Peter, but he's saying, Peter, you and the disciples are going to be the foundation. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the key, keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Somewhere along the, the line here, Peter in the boat is a little different than the the Peter who is the rock. How does this happen? The light just came on. His memory came back. His theology set in. Remember the Lord healed a blind man in two stages. The Lord turns to his disciples as if to say, this is a continuing work I'm doing in you. I'm not done with you yet. You're not perfected yet. But I haven't given up on you either. And he's now beginning to have the scales fall off his eyes. He's beginning to see who Jesus really is. Do you? It's not enough for us to stop with the question, who do the crowds say that I am? And it's not just enough for us to say, who do the disciples say that I am? Who do you say today that Jesus is? Who do you know him to be by the scriptures and through faith. The Messiah is the, the living God. Well, Second Peter chapter 1 tells us that we only grow in grace by grace. So if you can look over the last 10, 15 years and you can say, you know, pastor, I got to tell you, sweeter as the days go by, as I have read the scriptures and as I study and I submit, I love Christ more. Listen, I love my wife more than when I, I met her and when I said I do. I love Christ more every day as I read the scriptures and say, Lord, make that a reality in me. Help me to be in awe of my God. Folks, don't settle for partial blindness 
or spiritual blindness. If you say, I've not trusted Christ, I'm trusting in my works. Sorry, but you are a fool lost in your folly and you are a child of Satan. Could you put that any stronger, Pastor? But if you say, you know what? I have put my faith in Christ. There's some things that are, I'm still trying to figure out, get my, my brain around. All of us would understand that, say, Lord, increase my faith. Grow me in the knowledge of Christ. Jesus wants every single one of us. Well, the, the, the deacons, the pastors, the elders, they should know who Jesus is. Jesus wants every disciple to be absolutely convinced of who he is, why he came, why he's coming back, what he's doing right now through his church. Only God can take the scales off the eyes. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not only praying for myself, but I've got a child. I've got a a, a husband, a wife, somebody that they need the scales to fall off their eyes. It's not just if you find the right verse, the magic text, and you apply that, all their problems will go away. It is a work of God on the heart. Only he can remove that and give them faith. So let's ask this question in closing this morning. How would you answer the questions, who am I and who is Jesus? Whether you would say it out loud, if, you, if your answer of life would be, well, I'm kind of the king of my own little domain. I, I rule, I, I've got my finances, I have my bank account, I have my friends, I have my club, I have a, my church, I have, I have, I'm pretty well in control. Things are in good balance right now. You're a humanist. If you think that you exist with you at the center. But if you say no, you know what? I was a rebel under judgment. And Christ came and redeemed me, the lost, in my sin. There are millions who would say, I believe about Jesus. And yet it really has no effect on their living, on their values, on their future. They don't spread the word of Jesus Christ because they've, they've got a neat little designer Jesus that, uh, that they can live with. Listen, folks, the babe who was born in the manger became the Savior who died for our sin. And the man who rose is the God who returns. And the Messiah we await for is the Lord who should be ruling in your hearts right now. Turn with me to 1 John as we get ready to close here. I didn't say I was closing. I said as we get. That's pastoral code for I've got 15 more minutes. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. <coughs> By this we know that we abide in him. Well, but other people have other views on Jesus and on truth, and on doctrine. By this, we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior. It means he dies on the cross. Islam need to 
change your view on that. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You need to ask yourself, who am I? Why am I here? Am I here to amass a small fortune? Live, if I were in some third world country, I'd, I'd be a, a millionaire. I, I, well, I don't care about things or possessions. I just want people to respect me. I want people to love me. You're setting up idols. You've got things mixed up. If you say, you know what? I am here to be a disciple of Jesus Christ to, to spread the message to submit to him on a daily basis, to make him known. That's a disciple. That's why you're here. Then you say, and I'm to be a steward of these, these gifts. And I'm to be careful of these relationships. But I'm not here to be mom of the year or employee of the year. I'm here to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That, there's a big difference. And then the second question is anything too hard from God? If you need to remember who said that, you can go back to Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. But all this in the context of part one of this message that Jesus comes along. Some people bring a blind man to him. People who are blind, you didn't have to walk up and say, would you spit in his eyes for me? Would you make him heal, healed right now? And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. Took him aside took him by the arm, took him aside, healed him, brought him back different. Three different ways and times it says the Lord touched him. Listen, if you really come into contact with Christ by faith, you don't leave the same way you came. If Jesus is not God, he can't do the things of God. He can't be worshipped as God. Since Jesus is resurrected, since we know him to be God, he deserves all the praise and the worship and the glory that is due God. Jesus could heal a blind man, yes? And Jesus could take the scales off of the disciples and so they could say, you are the, you're the Christ. Wait, 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 wait. The Son of the living God. I would ask you, has the Lord given you faith to receive? Is there the mark of God in your life? Paul could say, I bear the marks, the stigmata of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is, has he burned his image on you? Till you can say, Christ liveth in me. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Please be able to answer these two questions sufficiently today. Who am I? Who is Jesus? Don't leave here saying, I know some religious facts. I can tell you, you start a story and I can finish the rest of it. You start a scripture verse, I might be able to finish the rest of it. That's not enough. But to say, I know who Jesus is, not just academically, 
but personally. He walks with me and talks with me. He indwells me, and I live for him. Lord, help us to see what our design and purpose is. In Christ we live. In Christ we move. In Christ we have our being. We're not put on this earth to be popular. We are saved to be disciples, growing growing in knowledge of Jesus, showing the power and the purpose of Christ in us. You were the master, the redeemer, the anointed one. Lord, you are God. As heirs of Adam, we walked in such darkness that even light couldn't make us see. Many hear the gospel so many times, and yet they refuse to accept the good news. Thank you for your work of sovereign grace on undeserving rebels like ourselves. Peter certainly wasn't perfect, and yet you continued to instruct him and to shape him and to correct him. And we ask that you would give that same patient, powerful work of the Holy Spirit in us that we may love you more. Thank you for your work of grace and love. Thank you for opening our blind eyes and allowing us to see the light of truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.